this morning, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, let's stand a moment, read a text that the Lord put in my heart yesterday, I'll give you some context as to, as to what was going on that caused that, Luke chapter 15 this morning, and uh, boy, hadn't the Lord met with us today, I appreciate it. I, I don't know what he's doing in this service. I don't mean to exclude anyone because I know not everyone's in the choir. But I'm so amazed at that choir practice this morning. I could have left and said I'd been in church. And then the Lord came in and did something different this morning. Not the same as what was in the choir, but he did something different this morning, but still wonderful. Everything he does is wonderful. Bless his name. Luke chapter 15, we'll read the story. It's titled the parable of the lost son. We call it the prodigal son. Uh, really, if you read the book or the chapter of Luke 15, you'll, you'll find out that probably the main character in Luke 15 is not even the prodigal son. He is a means to getting a truth across. It was the scribes and Pharisees that had cornered up Jesus and they said stuff like, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And they were mad about it. What is Jesus, if he's a holy man, what does he have to do with sinful people? And uh, so Jesus gives these, these three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. Uh, but the parable is given to get to the end well, we find the elder brother who is really a bigger problem than the younger brother. The elder brother's angry. The elder brother's bitter. The elder brother is under the law, not under the grace of God. He's mad at the father. And he is the primary source. He's the primary uh, message. God wants to tell that elder brother, I love you as much as I love the younger brother. I came to save you as much as I came to save that younger brother. And you need to be saved as much as that young brother. And I rejoice in that this morning because there have been times that I was the younger brother out in sin. Anybody? There's been times that I've acted like the elder brother. Thought I was better than what I was. I'm glad God loves the prodigal and the Pharisee. And God wants to save the prodigal and the Pharisee. If you come up in church and you think you don't need to be saved or you come out of sin and, and you know you need to be but don't think you can be, the Lord can save both. He wants to save. Amen. Let's read this morning. Verse 11, chapter 15. And he said, A certain man had two sons. You can kind of, as you read this, and I challenge you to do it. I, I did last night as you read this. You can find stages in the prodigal's life. Verse 11, he's at home. He's, there's not really even any planning going on that we can say. He's just a son at home. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And then verse 12, we see the planning and the plotting of what he has on his mind. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Verse 13, and he sets out. The uh, Bible said, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. 
And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his field to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. No man gave unto him because no man had anything to give him. And there ain't anybody in this world that's got to give you what God has to give you, what you need. Nobody. No friend, no relationship, no, 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 no nobody. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. The next few verses are about the prodigal son's older brother who's angry about all this. I don't know why anybody would ever be angry that God extended mercy to anybody, but unfortunately people are. I hope not me, hope not you. Let's pray this morning. I, Lord, I, I thank you. You've met with us. You've blessed us. You've helped us. You've, uh, Lord, we've, we've been in your presence all morning. and We thank you for it. God, I ask you now, you touch the preaching of the word of God. Lord, you ordained this. You put this together. I didn't. Lord, yesterday as I wrote down the road, and you, you preached this truth to my heart so big. Lord, I, I knew you wanted me to preach it this morning, and I thank you for it. God, I, I pray this morning that you would uh, touch in the preaching of the word of God or move. You know what we need. In Christ's name, we thank you. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I'll give you a, a little bit of context. I want to tell you a, a story. Uh, I, I say a story, tell you what the Lord did yesterday. I, I had probably one of the, the greatest days as a preacher uh, in the ministry that I've ever had. and uh, probably never had one any greater than what I experienced yesterday. Uh, the Lord uh, uh, blessed and helped in such a tremendous, tremendous way. I'll tell you about it. Um, uh, a, a young man, I say a young man, I guess he still is, he's pushing 30 now, but uh, a young man who used to go to our church years ago, when I first took the church, he was a part of our first youth group, uh, and throughout the years, though his family's gotten out and he's gotten out, uh, throughout the years he's kept contact with me from time to time. He lives in Hiltonia, and they, uh, uh, they're familiar, Hiltonia's right next to Screven County, Sylvania, and all of that. And uh, so this, this man called me about two weeks ago, and he said, uh, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, absolutely. He said, uh, uh, I've got a girlfriend. He said, we've been dating a long time. And he said, uh, her, uh, her son uh, in September committed suicide. He's 16 years old, took his own life. I don't know how, I don't know the details, and, and I didn't want to ask. Uh, uh, but took his own life, 16 years old, uh, uh, Screven County High School. And uh, said, uh, and then in January, uh, one of the son, her son's 
uh, one of her son's best friends took his own life. Uh, same school, same group of friends, uh, and uh, said his 17 years old took his uh, life and uh, said we, we've had the memorial services for him, we've had the funerals for both of those young men, but uh, he, he said, but we want to do something. He said, uh, uh, he said uh, we don't know what they need, but we know they need the Lord. This, this generation, they need the Lord. And he said, I know I'm not, I'm not living like I ought to live, but I thought maybe if we could do something that could get them together uh, and let somebody talk to them, would you be interested in coming down? I said, I would. It was at the river, Savannah River in, in Screven County. Uh, and so I, I drove down yesterday. It was about 38 for the high all day long. Uh, it was cold. Uh, I stood out there for about two hours, and they had brought in every preacher that they knew. Uh, and many of those men had something to say, and they, and they, and they talked. There was probably about 100 that were there yesterday, and maybe more, maybe a little less, but there was a good crowd. Uh, a lot of kids from the school there, uh, a lot of parents, a lot of adults, and uh, I, I had the privilege of being, a, being the last preacher uh, and wrapping it up and giving an invitation. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I went to John 10. I preached John 10, 10 for the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the thief cometh not, but for the steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, they were Facebook living it. It was a suicide awareness thing. People from all over the community had come. And uh, I, God let me preach in a way that I uh, have seldom preached. Uh, he touched me with tears in my eyes. Uh, I, 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 weeping as I preached, uh, preached to that uh, group that was there that they've been robbed. Uh, the thief has come. And he's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. I said, the psalmist said, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. And uh, I said, uh, you've been told there is no creator. You've been told that there is no God. You've been told that you uh, are an accident. And because of that, you've been robbed of purpose. And this generation, adult and young people, are a generation that is robbed of purpose in life. I said, not only that, you've been robbed of peace. Uh, you've been robbed of the peace of God. And you've been robbed of promise. And I said, I want to contrast that. Jesus said, but I am come. I'll need a good amen right here. Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And I mean to tell you the Holy Ghost of God laid his hand on me and I wept and I worshiped and I preached to that crowd and they bowed their heads and they listened and uh, 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 intently hanging on every word of the word of God. When I got done, I gave an invitation. I said, you don't have to come to me, but right where you are, if you'll bow your head and ask Jesus to save you, he'll save you. And uh, there's about six or seven hands went up, said that they did. And all I'm going to do is take them at their word that they did. I, I had four young people come up to me at the end of the service uh, and uh, said, can we talk? And we talked. None of them got saved, but I put a track in their hands and God was uh, able to let me talk to them. Uh, one young man, I was getting in my truck to leave. I was about froze half to death. I'd been out there almost three hours and froze. And, and, and a young man came up to me and he said, uh, Preacher, can I talk to you? And I said, you sure can. And he said, uh, I, I need to get saved. And I was able to take the word of God, show him how to get saved. Come to find out the last young man who took his life, this was the boy's best friend. And uh, his family was there. I said, you, I said uh, one thing about getting saved, I said, you'll, you'll be able to tell somebody about it. 
I said, would you be willing to tell your family and friends that are left here? He said, well, I got social anxieties real bad. I said, it's all right. The Lord will help you. Can you do that? He said, yeah. I said, Aaron's got something to tell y'all. And I said, go ahead and tell them, Aaron. He said, I got saved. And they wept and rejoiced. And the boy, aren't you glad God's in the saving business? I left the river thawed out uh, in my truck. Heat, full blast, thawing out. About the time I got halfway thawed out, uh, I was in Hiltonia. And uh, I, I passed the road where a gentleman who used to come to our church lived. And uh, he's got cancer now. And God help him. If he don't help him, he's going to die. And I, I, and, and I felt the nudging from the Lord. Go down there and talk to him. Go down there and see him. I walked, I, I called my wife. I said, I ain't coming home yet. I'm, I'm turning around. I'm going to go see my old friend. And uh, I, I, I got there, and lo and behold, two of his boys were there. Uh, one of them was a teenager in our youth group. The other one was already out of church by the time they got here and uh, to our church. And I went in and talked to him for a while, and I prayed. And, and he said, I don't know what happened. He said, I know I went astray. He said, but it wasn't all bad. I remember, he said, when God let me serve him at y'all's church, he said, some of the greatest times of my life. And, and, and he said, I thank you. And I said, I thank you too. I said, you was one of the biggest encouragements I ever had in this world when I first came here. And I appreciate all that you did. And I love you. And I want you to know. And he said, I love you too. And I said, I, I've got a favor to ask of you. I said, I'm praying that you get up out of this bed and, and you go back to living. I said, but if that don't happen and you die, I said, will you let me say something at your funeral? He said, I will. I said, boys, y'all hear that? And they said, we do. They're sitting in there listening. I said, I want to tell them about the day you got saved. So I want you to tell me right here. I want you to tell me about the day God saved you so I can tell everybody that comes to your funeral your testimony. He walked down memory lane, told me about it. Boy, aren't you glad to have a testimony that, that, that on your deathbed you, you can rest in? He said, he said and I, I didn't come to say all of this, but it's good. He said, I was 26 years old. He said, I had a wife and kids, and I was living my life with no hope at all. He said, and the preacher from Sylvania kept coming over to the house talking to me. And he said he'd come over and talk to me, and, and I'd get mad, and, and he'd leave. And he'd come over again and talk to me. I'd get mad, and he'd leave. And, and uh, he said, finally one day, he said, all I wanted to do was drink. And the preacher was interrupting my drinking. It's hard sometimes to do what you want to do in the presence of righteousness. It'll convict. That's why folks stay away from it when they get in trouble. Got to stay away from people who know God. And uh, that's, that's, he said, uh, that preacher showed up at my house that last time. I was wanting to drink. I was mad he was there. And I just flat out asked him. He said, and his boys are listening. He said, why do you keep coming over here? He said, the preacher said, because you got a soul and it's going to hell. And I couldn't stand the thought of you going to hell. And I'm going to keep coming over here till you get saved. He said, and I got so sick under conviction when he left. He said, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was bad shape. He said, that Sunday, I told my wife, well, let's go down there to his church. Maybe he'll get off my back. He said, I went down there. We went back Sunday night. And he said, that Sunday night, the Lord saved me. And he said, I said, you know he saved you. He said, I know he did. He said, he saved me. It changed my life. And I know it. Boy, ain't it wonderful when the Lord saves and changes and works? boys 
got up a little bit after that and walked out on the porch. I walked out on the porch with them when I left. And I said, uh, how y'all doing? They said, uh, oh, we're all right. I said, no, I'm going to ask you again, how y'all doing? I said, don't lie to me. I said, I can tell it on your countenance. They both looked at me. I said, I can see it all over your countenance. I said, you can tell by a man's countenance where he is. You can tell by a man's countenance how he feels. And I said, I can, I can tell I'm looking at two miserable men. Am I wrong? And one of them said, uh huh. And the other one said, no, you ain't wrong. You're older. And I said, as a matter of fact, if I can be honest with you without you getting mad at me, I said, ever since I've known you, you've been miserable. I said, you've never had the joy of the Lord. And the whole time I've known you, your countenance has always been poor. Your countenance is all. And I said, I'm not trying to be critical or judgmental. I'm trying to be honest with you. I said, I can tell that you're broken and that you're empty and you're bitter. And I said, it's showing on your countenance. And I'm going to say to the folks of Crossroads Baptist Church this morning, your countenance will tell on you too. You can't hide when there's no joy. You can't hide when there's no peace. You can't hide when there's sin in your life. You may hide what you're doing, but it'll show in your countenance that something is not right in your spirit. And that's not just for young people. That's for adults too. I said, uh, what's the matter? I said, let me ask you a question. Are you saved? I, by this point, I done turned from the one young man to the man who was ready to talk. And I said, are you saved? And he said, I am. I said, you sure about that? And he said, I know I'm saved. And I said, uh, then what are you running from? He said, preacher, I ain't running from anything. He said, I done hit rock bottom, and there ain't nowhere else to run. Tears welled up from the side of his eyes. He said, I've run and run and run, but I ain't running from anything. He said, I've hit the bottom with nowhere to go. <laughs> oh, all of Calvary flooded my soul when he said that. That's a good place to be. When you're there, that's the worst place in the world. But when you're standing on the other side and you, you find somebody that run into that brick wall, you find somebody finally hit the bottom, you know there ain't nowhere but up to go from here. I said, you tired of running? I said, let me tell you about another young man. I said, you remember when you were in church, the prodigal son, Luke 15? He said, I do. I said, the Bible said that he wasted his substance and he went, he had spent all. I said, he spent everything he had. I said, and when he spent all that he had, it was when he came to himself. And I said, and if you are where you say you are, and you've spent all that you've got, and you've got nothing left, and you're on the bottom. I said, do you know what he did? He came to himself, and he said, I think I'll go home. And I said, if what you tell me is right, you're saved, then the only thing you can do is go home and let God change your life. I said, First John 1, 9 is in the Bible. Uh, but if we confess our sin, he is faithful, and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I said, the only thing God asks you to do uh, is confess your sin. I said, if you'll do that, he'll do all the forgiving. He'll do all the cleansing. Anybody remember when you were out and all you had to do was tell God about it and he did the cleansing, he did the forgiving, and he did the making right. 
And I said, and I'm getting in my truck and leaving because there ain't nothing left I can do here. I said, if I grab you by the arm and make you come to church, if I grab you by the arm and make you come to God, it wouldn't be genuine. I said, but you know what you need to do. And somewhere in your bedroom or somewhere out there in them woods, if you'll walk out in the woods and you'll fall on your knees before God and you'll tell God, I'm sorry. You'll tell God, I was wrong. You'll tell God, you were right. I've made a mess. If you'll tell him about it, he'll show up with love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and cleansing and he'll change your life. He said, I said, but here's my number. When he does that, I want you to call me and tell me about it. I said, fair enough. Tears running down his face. I said, God loves you. He ain't changed his mind about you. When you're ready, you let him know. I got in my truck and I left. And the Holy Ghost of God preached Luke 15 to me. I don't have any notes this morning. I, I don't have I don't have any uh, I don't have an outline this morning. I, I don't have any uh, alliterated points. All I've done is underlined a handful of words in this story that I want to bring to your attention this morning. And and here's the deal. I guess you could say that this is a warning. Uh, maybe there's some in here this morning you're contemplating uh, walking away from God. But really, I, I don't even see this as being a warning because when you've got leaving on your mind, you don't listen to warnings. I can't talk to you. If leaving is on your mind, the only thing that's going to talk to you is the bottom. I, 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 I wish... I wish I could. I, I wish I could get you to see, but, but I can't get you to see. The only place that you're going to see is when you run to the end of your road, when you've run out of rope, and you find out that this is as far down as I can go without going to hell. And thank God if you're safe, you can go a long ways down, but you can't go down to hell. But I, I wouldn't present this as a warning because if you've got it on your mind, you're not going to listen to the warning. I think I'd present this as an invitation that if you have found yourself adult and we like to look at the prodigal and say well, that's a boy boys you know you gotta watch them boys they, they rowdy by nature but this prodigal represents humanity it represents the man who never left church but left church in his heart it represents the woman who never quit singing in the choir, but she quit singing in her heart. It, it represents the young man, the young lady. It represents you. It represents me. It represents those of us who sit in here service after service after service, and you walk away still as far from God as you were when you walked in, but you've done your Christian duty. But you're living in a far land in your life. I want to show you what life looks like. Maybe it will describe your life. And if it does, I want to give you an invitation. If you'll hear a warning, I hope you'll hear the warning and receive it. But if you're not going to hear the warning this morning, then I probably can't help you right now. But maybe down the road you'll remember this morning. A handful of words that I underline. You can look back with me this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse number 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there, and here's one of the words I underlined, watch this, wasted his substance with riotous living. 
Verse number 14, and when he had spent all. Those are two words I want to preach together to you for just a moment and, and then we'll look at some more words uh, in a moment this morning. But the life in the far country, the actions of the prodigal son that, 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 that take place while he is there. I don't think that he anticipated it to be like that. I don't think that when he set out that he dreamed that it would end up there. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I think it was a rather quick turn of events. I think pretty quickly it went south. I think pretty quickly he recognized that this is not quite what I thought it was. But while he is with his friends, while he is living it up, while he is sowing uh, if you will, his wild oats. There are two descriptive words about his nature, about his life, about his living. The Bible said that he wasted and he spent. One thing that I would say to you this morning, that life in the far country, life in the fast lane, life running from God, life away from the will of God, that it is a costly experience. The word wasted. It is in connection with the word that describes winnowing. And winnowing is uh, what they would do when they would bring in the barley and they would bring in the, the wheat and they'd bring it into the threshing floor and as they, as they threshed that wheat and that barley, they would pick it up and they would throw it up in the air and the chaff and the wheat were separated uh, by winnowing uh, and what it was as they threw that up in the air everything that was wheat would fall back to the ground everything that was not would blow away uh, with the wind and so they'd pick it up throw it up and the wheat would fall and the wind would blow the chaff away and it is a word it is where we get the word wasted uh, and simply put here's the illustration the young man took all that he had uh, all that his father had given him, all of his possession, all of his life's, uh, 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 I say earnings, but he didn't even earn it. It was a gift that was given to him. And all he kept doing the whole time he was there was throwing it up in the air and the wind was blowing it and scattering it away, wasting and spending. I've never talked to anybody who ever went out of the will of God and came back including my own self who have experienced that in times in my life that said what I did out there was beneficial what I did out of the will of God was fruitful all I've ever heard is that I wasted my time I wasted my energy I wasted my life can I get a witness this morning from anybody who's ever been to the far country throwing away all that God has given you is it not a waste and so if you're there maybe you're here in church but you're there in spirit or maybe you're here in body but you live there six days a week I'd tell you this morning that it is costly it is waste it is spending I love the old hymn song. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. 
see that prodigal, he don't even know it yet. He thinks he's sowing, and he is. He thinks he's, he's, he's living it up. But all it is is waste. All that time, all that effort, all that energy, all it is is I've wasted many precious years. For I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. I tell you this morning that if you're contemplating the far country, if you're a young man or a young lady in our school, or maybe you're not in our school, but, but, but you're in our church, or, or maybe you're an adult, maybe you're, maybe you're in your 20s, and you're, and, and you're, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, and you've got it mapped out your way. I want to tell you, apart from God, out of the will of God, out of the plan that God has, it is wasted substance, and it is spent years that cost you but you'll probably not hear me because you've never heard me before. And you've never heard those that tell you because you don't want to hear. But I'm talking this morning to those who are living in the middle of it. And you're recognizing that's worth a whole lot of waste. Waste spent. And then another word that I underline. We'll read on verse 14. And when he had spent all. Oh, by the way, it'll cost everything you got. Life in the fast lane. Life in the far country. Life out of the will of God. It won't cost you a little. It's going to cost you everything you got. Because that is the only way to get you to rock bottom. Where you realize that you needed God all along. And everything that you needed, you already had at the Father's house. But you don't know it. So you keep wasting it. Throwing it up. And the wind blowing it away. Spending it. At the cash register of life. Like you've got money that grows on trees. Uh, uh, but oh, I'm going to tell you, it'll cost you a whole lot more than a $5 bill or a $100 bill. It'll cost you a whole lot more than cash can buy. It'll cost you peace. Uh, it'll cost you the presence of God. It'll cost you your right mind. Forking it up. Brother Mike, is that right? Everywhere you turn. Everywhere you turn, there's another debt owed. Everywhere you turn, there's somebody else coming collecting. Everywhere you turn, there's something else you've got to pay out. Everywhere you turn, somebody wants what you've got. And you're giving it all away, throwing it away, throwing it up in the air as the wind blows it away until you have nothing and you spend all. Verse 14. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he, here's the next word I underline, began. <laughs> and so it begins. Life's pretty good while you're spending, while you got it to spend. Until you turn around and you have no more happiness to spend. You have no more joy to spend. 
You have no more peace to spend. You have no more money to spend. You have nothing else to give. And the Bible said, and he began. He began. Now it begins. Now it starts. That that you did not anticipate. Oh, it begins. That that you did not foresee. That that you did not hope for. That that you did not wish. That that you did not want. You better believe this morning. It will begin. He begins to be in want. I'd say it to you like this this morning. He began to reap what he had been wasting. Throwing his energies, throwing his substance, throwing his potential, throwing his life away, wasting it on sin, and he began to reap. He began to be in want. He started running into himself and saying, I don't have nothing else in my pocket. I don't have any friends left. I don't have any peace. Lord, where are you? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. And oh, it's beginning. I'm sitting in here this morning. There's some folks in here, and you know what it began looked like. You remember when it began falling apart. And again, there's a warning there. It will begin, but you won't listen because you're going to have to have it begin for you. But it will. I promise you. It'll begin. Well, I was having a good time. Where did all my good time buddies go? <laughs> Even Hank Williams Jr. ran into that problem. He said, all my rowdy friends settled down. It began. It began. Boys, you mark my word down. It'll begin. It'll begin. I don't know if I can trust the Lord. I don't know if I can live for the Lord. I don't know if God will be good to me. I can tell you on full authority of the Word of God and past experience, He'll be good to you. You can trust Him. You can give Him all you've got. But I'll tell you something else on full of authority of the Word of God and past experience. If you set out to spend all God's given you, it will begin in your life. It began to come to an end. <laughs> but he's got a long ways to go. I'd say this. He started at home. He's going back home. But he's going to have to go through a round big old circle to get there. Might have been better if he stayed. But it'll begin. You started out and you were needing the Lord. And you come to church and you faithful. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you tithed, you prayed, you participated, you were involved, you hungered, you thirsted. Then the day came when you thought, I don't really need all this this much. So you've been spending somewhere else. You've been wasting somewhere else, and you think, well, it won't begin to go downhill. But it always begins. Go down here. 
It always begins to spiral. It always, and I, I mean, I didn't even have my Bible on me. I was riding down the road. I'd read this familiar passage so many times that the Holy Ghost was preaching it to me. And I'm, as I'm reminded of it in my mind, all of these words are standing out, and I can see it in my own life. I remember when it began. For you, it began. He began to be in want. Notice verse 15. Here's another couple words. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. I want you to underline them words. We, we, we looked at he wasted and he spent. We looked at it began. Now I want you to notice he went. Now this would be, we're in our logic, we would think. Because you think this way. Well, I'm going to try this my own way. My own way. Now y'all hear me for a minute. I'm doing some preaching this morning. Well, I'm going to do this my own way. But if it don't work out, I'll come back. Now you've said that. You've thought that. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to live my life my way. But if it don't work out, I'll be back. I can see the father saying to the son, son, I don't want you to go. But if you must, I want you to know I can always come home. Thank you, Daddy. I believe you. If it don't work out, and I know it will. Daddy, it's going to work out. But if it don't work out, I'll be back. Well, it looks to me like it ain't working out. He went to the far country, found out it wasn't that far away from where he already was. He got out there, wasted his substance, spent all that he had, and it began to spiral downhill. It began to fall apart. Seems like a good place to say, you know what, I think I'll go back home. But he went. And he joined. Instead of going back, what he had he went further to where he'd never been and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and if you understand anything about Jewish custom the, the Jews and the Gentiles they wasn't really jihawing together and the Jews were God's chosen people and the Gentiles were pagans that worshipped false gods and false idols and that's what we were pagans that got in under the grace of God I wasn't a Jew but I'm a I'm a Gentile that got in under the grace of God and I'm no longer a pagan Gentile but I'm a child of God but he went and he joined himself to a Gentile and not just any Gentile but a hog farmer which was one of the laws of Israel that they were not to eat pork aren't you glad that we're not under the law anymore but instead of going home Instead of turning around, instead of coming to God, instead of getting it right, instead of admitting that he's wrong, he doubled down in his sin and he went on a little further in it. Now, is that not you? Is that not me? And I would give that to you as a warning this morning, but you won't hear it. So I'll say that if it's you this morning, I'm giving you an invitation. He went and joined. Oh, how many folks have went and 
joined themselves to people who lived like they never dreamed of living. Live in a way that they never lived in their upbringing. Lived in a way so ungodly, so, so profoundly wicked, uh, so blasphemous that they were joined to people, joined to things in their life that they said at some point, I'll never do that. But now they are joined to that. Are you hearing me? Now that is who they are. And if you walk down the street, you can't tell the difference from that pig farmer and that young man as he went. He didn't go home. That's where he should have went. He didn't go say, I'm sorry. That's where he should have went. He didn't go get it right. That's where he should have went. He didn't go and say, I've messed up. That's where he should have went. No, he can't go there. He's got too much pride. No, he can't go there. He's already told everybody he's going to do it his way. He's like Frank Sinatra. He did it his way. I'll tell you what, doing it your way will do to put you in hell. And if you're saved, it'll make living on earth hell. Everybody would scratch their head and say, why is he going that way? Because as far as he can tell, that's the only way he can go. i tell you why he's going that way, because that way is where bottom's at, and that's where this boy's going to have to get, because he ain't going to live for anybody else. The young man I was talking to were members of our church about 14, I've been here 16 years, about 13, 14 years ago. And they went. I don't know how long it would take, but it's been a long time of going to get to the bottom. His brother called me the other day. His brother said, uh, he said, can I talk to you for a minute? One of his other brothers. I said, yeah. He said, I'm living in South Carolina now. I hadn't seen him in years. Last time I seen him was about five years ago. He came and showed up went to church with us and never have seen him again. He told me yesterday, he said, I was high as a kite that day. He said, that's the only way I could go to church. Because I knew God was going to be there. He said, so I went high. If I could get there. He called me the other day. He said, I need to tell you something. I said, all right. He said, I went to prison, drugs. He said, I lost my wife. She's 31, 32. She's in our youth group. He said, I Tattoos all over, markings all over, cuts all over my body, but I didn't sin. He said, but I got saved when I was seven, and I know I got saved. He said, I've always known God to where I was. He said, but I've been going. I've been running. He said, uh, so I got out of prison, and I got offered a job in South Carolina. He said, I still wasn't right with God. He said, when I got over there and I lived in that house by myself, I said, the Lord would show up in that house. He said, I had no money. I had nothing. Living in a house provided by someone else for labor that I was doing. He said, and I lived there and the Lord would show up. And I would tell him, Lord, I've, I've been wrong. All these years, I'm yours, but I've been running. All these years, I belong to you. All the, I'm talking about years. Wasted. 
He said, all these years, I've wasted all these years. I've, I've lived in sin all these years. I've run. He said, and I was honest with God. And he said, God got to working in my life. And God got to calling me to pray and calling me to uh, read my Bible. And the more I'd read it, the more he talked to me, and the more I'd pray and confess, the closer he'd bring me. He said, I'll be honest with you, everywhere I go now, I carry tracks in my pocket because I want everybody to know Jesus is coming. And what he did for me, he can do for them. He got to testify yesterday at that river meeting. He looked at all them young people and adults and he said, I've cut myself, I've nearly killed myself, I've wanted to leave this world, I've lived in such despair and sin and anxiety. He said, but the greatest thing ever happened to me, I was saved as a boy, but was the day, uh, the second greatest thing was, the first greatest thing is when God saved me, but the second greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I realized that I was on the very bottom with nowhere to go, and I had gone as far as I could, and I needed God, and He showed up just in time. He said, what you need. I told you that to tell you I'm, I'd love to warn you but you won't hear me but if it has began and you have went and joined you've already began to experience this is not what I thought it was some of you haven't been saved long and you got saved and it's a wonderful feeling wonderful experience but it don't take long for those wonderful experiences and feelings to fade away. And then it becomes rubber meets the road. Then it becomes real life decisions. And so you say, well, this is getting kind of hard. This is getting kind of difficult. This ain't what I thought it was going to be. And you begin to ease back in the old ways. You begin to allow the things from the old life. You begin to go back. Well, I'll tell you what you're doing. You're headed for misery. But he went. And he joined. Something interesting I find, verse 15, the Bible said, and he sent. Who sent? The pig farmer sent this boy. Now, he's been coming and going as he pleased. Everywhere, the Bible said, he went, and he did, and he journeyed, and he spent, and he wasted, and, and he began, and all of it is him doing. Now, this pig farmer is sending. Oh, I need you to hear me. You'll go from you coming and going as you want to you being sent without a choice. You might be married today. You might be 40 years old, 50 years old. You've been eyeing a life. You're going to go. I'm going to tell you something. When you end up, You'll still be going, but it'll be somebody sending you. Am I preaching too long? <laughs> Boys, y'all's age, I've been there. My dad used to tell me, as, hold it, how did he say it? He said lots of things. As you are, I once was. And as I am, so shall you be. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. It sounded kind of biblical. He threw the years in there, and then sounded like King James English. As you are, I once was. I've been where you are. As I am, so shall you be. 
One thing about young men is they're ready up here as far as they come. And I'm not belittling you because if you don't have any initiative at all as a young man, somebody needs to kick you in the backside. Why don't you want to drive? Why don't you want to get a job? Why don't you want a wife? My goodness, boys, you're 17, 18 years old, and you ain't thinking about girls yet? Get to thinking. Don't think too much. Don't think till it's sinful, but think a little bit. Might like a wife one day. You got that once again. If you go where God sends you. See, that's the problem. You don't want to go anywhere you're sent. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. I'm going to be done when I'm done. And some of y'all are done on me, but I'm not done, so I ain't done preaching. You want to go where you want to go where you want to go, but you don't want to be sent by the Father. You don't want the Father to send you to the ministry. You don't want the Father to send you to church. You don't want the Father to send you back on Sunday night or Wednesday night. You don't want the Father messing around in your checkbook. You don't want the Father messing around in your family. You want a God sitting on a pedestal somewhere that don't ever bother you, but you don't want God intervening in your life because you're afraid He'll tell you no or He'll tell you go. He might tell you that one you're wanting to marry ain't the right one. He might tell you that friend you're running with you need to get rid of. He might tell you that job you've got is keeping you from the will of God. He might tell you something you don't want to hear so you're ready to go. You don't want to be sent. What you don't know is you're going to be sent. You'll be sent down to the divorce clerk. You're going to be sent down to the jailhouse. You're going to be sent down to the bottom. You, you won't listen to instruction. You don't want to hear preaching. You don't want to ask anybody for advice. You're going to be sent somewhere and it'll be out of your control. Sent. You didn't want to be sent. You wanted to go. Now he's being sent. There's going to come a pretty girl, boys. We hope she's pretty. Might not be, but she's coming. But you'll think she's pretty. And she's going to say, let's go. And daddy's going to say, don't go. Mama's going to say, don't go. Preacher's going to say, don't go. Of course, if you listen to her, ask her. She's coming. She's coming. Ain't that a blessing? Sure is, isn't it? What's her name, you know? When is she going to get here? She's coming. She's going to say, let's go. Daddy's going to say, Mama's going to say, Preacher's going to say, Teachers are going to say, Godly influence is going to say, You don't need to go. You need to stay here. You're going to say, well, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. I am in love unlike you have ever known. Because isn't it every young person in love unlike their parents have ever known? Well, I know you love mama, but you ain't ever loved mama like I love her. I think I said stupid stuff like that to my daddy. I know y'all got something going on, but it ain't like this. 
I'm gone. Girls, say, boy, I'm going. I won't be sent. I'm going to tell you something. He'll send you. That wrong one. He'll send you to the bottom. Oh, she will. She'll send you to another church because she won't like your church because the Spirit of God shows up at your church. And if I'm telling you the truth, if I've ever told the truth, I have pastored more men who couldn't be men because their wife didn't like the Holy Ghost and their wife didn't like spirit-filled services and God saved them and filled them and they wanted to be here but somewhere today they're following their wife around because their wife wouldn't let them come to a spirit-filled church and now they've lost their kids and they're losing their I got news for you. You better listen to God. And if she ever tells you, I don't like your church, you'll tell her, I don't like you. Before you get married. You're dumb enough to marry, you're stuck with her. Same for the girls. You're going to find out because you didn't want to be sent by anybody in any authority. But there's somebody running your life sending you everywhere you didn't want to go. Nearly done preaching, I think. He sent. Verse 17, verse 16, And would he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Notice this next action. And he came to himself. Notice what he said. And he, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Here's another action. He came to himself. I don't know how long it took. If you'll get this, I'll be done, preacher. Y'all have done a great audience of audience is the right word. You've given great attention. You're more than an audience to a church, but y'all give great attention. But he came to himself. I don't know how long he was out there. Maybe a month, maybe, I'd say not. Maybe a year, I'd say probably not. He was out there a little while. I don't know how long. He got sent by this pig farmer into stuff that he never thought he'd ever end up doing. And when he got out there, the Bible said he came to himself. Sitting in that prison that he had made, he realized that this ain't life we're sitting living. That's where some of you are this morning. You hearing me? afraid to listen to me because if you do it might change what you got on your mind. I wish I could stop you but I can't. But there's a hog pen that can. And you're just going to have to end up there. 
and all I got is money. You're heavy, Dad. You're heavy, Dad. And when you get there, you're going to look around and say, where did all the good times go? Where did all my hopes go? Where did all my substance go? What have I done? You ever looked in the mirror before and said, Who are you? And what have you become? If you have, I tell you, you've come to the end of yourself. How did I get if you hadn't, hold on. I hope you never do, but if you're headed for the far country, I can go ahead and tell you, you'll do that one day. Maybe you won't go to the far country. Maybe God will let you stay. Or not God, God will let you. Maybe you'll stay. But if you're headed out, you will look in the mirror one day and say, what? One of the young men yesterday, he didn't get saved, but he come up to me and he said, you know, that was one of my good friends that died. And he said, I, I live in uh, all the way in Moultrie, Georgia. And he said, I come up here up near Tallahassee, Florida, four hours, come up here uh, just, to, just to be a part of this. And he said, you know, he said, I find myself, and I'm just a young man, I think he was uh, 18, 17, 18, he said, but I find myself looking around wondering, is this all that there is? So in. Here's what I struggle with. Here's what he thought. I'll go home and be a servant. I'll go home and be a hired servant because they got better than what I've got. I'll go home and be a servant. That was the problem all along. He thought what he had was servant. May have been. So he thought it's better to go back and serve than to stay here and suffer. But if I go back, I'm going to have to quit this, this, and this. And I'm going to have to start this, this, and this. And I'm going to have to get up every morning on time and go down there and serve my father. I, it's a service. That's why he left in the first place. And when he got ready to go back, it was because he had run out of all hope. He had run out of all possessions. He had run out of everything he had. But in his mind, going home meant service. And that's why many of you are still living in the hog pen. Because you think you're free. You think doing something for God would be service. Not be a servant. Some of you showed up at church because you said, I'd rather be a servant and have to keep all them laws and live like I'm living. So he comes home, come to Kentucky. His father, a great way off, sees him. He runs out and he hugs him and kisses him and puts his arms around him. And that speech he had rehearsed, he said, Father, I've come home. I'll be a servant. I'll serve you if that's what you want. I'll serve you. I know it's service living here. I'll serve you. And the father 
interrupts him and he says to one of his servants, he said, go get the fatted calf and kill it. And go tell everybody we're going to have a party. And go bring a coat and let's go put it around him. And get a ring, let's put him on, my, on his finger. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. The father said, you're not a servant, you're a son. Not a servant, but you're my son. That thing that he hated so much in the beginning, he was willing to do because of who he was, a son. If you think of leaving the hog pen this morning, you'd be serving him. But what you find out, God would welcome you as a son. If you're not, you can become one. But just like the young man I told yesterday, I won't push you. Because there ain't nothing I can do for you. You're headed to the pen. The father just stood out of the way. He said, okay, my son. I'll tell you this morning if you're living there there's an invitation to come home to the Father He's waiting He's ready and who you think needs to hear this this morning it's probably not who's going to hear it but who you would never think needs to hear this is probably who really needs Lord, my heart's full again. I have been that son. I have run and I have wasted. I'm glad for the day.